0: Now this morning, I want to just add one extra ingredient to you, and that has to do with the way we think. In fact, I'm going to title the message today to just to think right, to think right. Uh, you, in order to advance into your calling, to advance into what God has uh, designed or plan, planned for your life, we must learn how to, to, to command our thoughts and the way we look at things correctly. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. In other words, that your life will become what you see, how you think of it. If you have a tendency to think of yourself as someone that's defeated, as someone that's not going to achieve anything, that someone can't do anything, you feel like you're going to be... You will have a mediocre life because you've already perceived yourself to be that way. And the Bible says that's not how God looks at you. Every one of us are created unique and in the image of God. God has a purpose. He has seeds of greatness inside of each one of us. Now, we have a tendency sometimes to be, um, uh, it's not even a tendency. It's just a natural thing because of our experiences where we've been born, the family that we came from, uh, and the circumstance, the country you are born into. They shape who we are. And oftentimes, we put, ourselves, we put limitations on ourselves, and, and that's what God wants to break and says, no, I, I know what you've been through, and I know how to take those broken pieces and mold something beautiful out of it if you would just trust me with your life. Now, there's a guy in the Bible called Abraham. Abraham... Is the guy that this whole story started with of the people of Israel. We read a lot about the people of Israel. Last week, I kind of keyed in on the life of Moses a little bit, just a little segment of it. But even before there was Moses, there was Abraham. He's the guy that God... Um, um, He's a guy that God had a covenant with, that he will bless him, he will bless him. And I, I want to read about Abraham just a little bit. And I want to take a couple thoughts with you this morning. If you would open Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to read the first 12, well, five verses here, where God talks to Abraham. Because this is a guy that God set a covenant with. And I want to tell you this morning, and I'll kind of tie, tie this up later, as before I close, that, that the, the blessings of Abraham... We are connected to it if we would believe God and hold it. There's, uh, this pro- the blessing of Abraham is something that believers in the New Testament are promised to be benefactors of what God said to Abraham. Okay, and, and so if you know that, you can hold it to your heart and believe God that what he said to Abraham about his life that he's also saying to you. Amen? Amen. Now Genesis 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, this was before his name was changed, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's, father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you great. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Some people say, yeah, God, I like that. I like that. Second part right now, that co-worker Lord, just give it back to. You know, you're thinking it. Come on. Don't lie at church. You've thought it before. It's like, God, why don't you just zap that guy and just get him out of my life? But God says to Abraham, Those who treat you with contempt, I'll cast him. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household in Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Father, we thank you. For the reading of your word, God. We thank you that your word is alive. Today, as you said, uh, that uh, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I ask that you would give us spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to the church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And to us individually, oh God, we pray. Let it not return to you void. I pray that by faith you will cause your word to accomplish in every life represented here the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Obviously, when you read that passage, it's very clear to see that God had incredible plans for Abraham's life. He is telling this guy who doesn't have a child. That your descendants will be blessed. Now that's a God we serve. Amen. He's telling a guy that's sick, that by his stripes you're healed. He's telling a guy who's broke, he says that you are blessed beyond measure. He's telling a family that's broken, he says, man, you you have Peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guide your heart. God is challenging us to see beyond our present circumstance. He's not just telling Abraham about his life and how he's gonna be blessed and all that. He's prophesying over his descendants, and the guy is 70, he's painting. Abraham was 75 years old at this point. And says, man, your kids are going to be so blessed, Abraham. It's going to be awesome. Saying, I should be a grandpa, or a great-grandpa at this point. And I don't even have a kid. But God's speaking the things that are not as though they are. Faith is believing God in spite of our circumstances. What I thought, found it was interesting, and a lot has been said about this story, there's a lot of admiration for a lot of people throughout faith, in fact, throughout history, about the faith of Abraham. Because when he departed, um, God had not really told him where to go. And that's an awesome, um, awesome trait that he had, that he had that much faith in God, that even if he didn't have see the whole future... He trusted that God will guide him, and that God is faithful, that God is good, that his intention for his life were good. And he took the first step. I know tomorrow is Martin Luther King's birthday, right? He's the one that said that faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. And that's what God, our Abraham, was like. In fact, he is called the father of faith. It says that in another place that Abraham believed God and he was credited for him as righteousness. Abraham lived before Moses. Abraham lived before the Ten Commandments. Abraham is the kind of guy, but he lived God, he believed God. He didn't believe God because of the law, there was no law. But he had faith with God, faith in God. And he says that before, because of his faith, he was justified. Old Testament guy, well before the law, taught us how to trust Jesus, how to live a life of faith. But what I find interesting is that in order for Abraham to see his fulfillment, the fulfillment of his promise, God had to move him god had to move him from his surrounding god had to move him from what he had known all his life now think about this our surrounding and our environment has shaped who we are you like it or not the way your thought pattern the way you your outlook on finances your outlook on marriage and relationship your outlook on everything else is greatly influenced by our environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when God saves us, when Jesus saves us, when he, you know, we used to sing those songs back in the days, you know, but I was saved, I was sanctified. You know, what, what that means, God, 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 God saved me. He cleaned me out and he gave me a new life. And He started teaching me his way, so I follow him. So we don't just get saved, we start learning the Lord's ways. And not all our ways before we came to the Lord were completely horrible, no. But there are some things in our lives when we start following Jesus we need to get rid of. For us to to start thinking right, and by thinking right is aligning with God's purpose and God's design, we must be willing i'm going to just give you three thoughts in no particular order and it's not all the thoughts and all the steps nothing else no i'm just going to give you a few thoughts share with just a few thoughts from abraham's life that we can use to help us start thinking right about our life have a good uh, outlook on our lives the first thing that i want to give you today is that you must be willing to change your environment You must be willing to change your environment. Abraham, it says in verse 2, no, verse 1, it says that the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Can I rephrase that? Leave everything you've ever known. Things that you actually like to do, people that you love. And trust me with your life. And he goes on to say that Abraham did. He didn't argue. He says, but God, are you really serious about this? Did you think about that? Now when we get there, what are we going to do now? How many love three-year-olds? <laughs> the best age in the world because so they ask you all sorts of questions. And you hang out with one, go on a drive on one, and i like, man, you'll be asked questions. And sometimes they have an angle. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how in the world did you even think about that? And sometimes we, we act like three-year-olds with God. He tells us something. He says, I just want you to trust me. I want you to like, worry about it. Let's settle this down right now. I'm good. I'm a good God. I'm good all the time. My intentions for your life are good. My thoughts about you, let me tell them. Jeremiah wrote it down, right? We know this by heart. I know, help me out, the plans that I have concerning you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a future, to give you a hope. you believe that? So trust me in this. I got this. But I believe God had to move Abraham because Abraham could not see, could not learn, could not start thinking right unless he was removed from his situation. You know, Abraham's dad, Terah, his name was he walked from Nimrod who was the king in that area that they were living in and Terah was an idol worshipper they worshiped the Sun and the moon and they was kinda working their worship practice and Terah was a high priest in the Nimrod's religion so Abraham had been brought up in that environment and God had to kind of change him. And in order to change the way he thinks, he had to move him. He had to move him. I was thinking, I know it's kind of cold right now, and it's going to be spring. I mean, I like spring and like planting things. I mean, I, I, I'm a spring and a, and a fall kind of guy. But when it gets this cold, I even miss summer. <laughs> And you know, there's always, always try, attempt to plant some things every, every spring. And, you know, you could get a tree planted in a bucket. You know, if you go to Campbell's or RMA and you find some all sorts of trees, right? And, and they're planted in a bucket and they, and, and, and they grow them and get them ready to be planted. Now, you could get a good tree, let's say, get an oak tree in a, in a little thing at RMA, and, and it will grow to a certain degree in that little bucket right but if it never is transplanted to the ground that tree will be limited to what it can become and it has nothing to do with the seed it has everything to do with the environment and sometimes in our lives God has put a seed of greatness in each one of us and he's saying. We need to be replanted in the right environment so that we don't limit our potential because God has great things that he wants us to move forward to. And that's what's happening with Adam, uh, Abraham rather. God says, I got to move you out of this environment because you will never, never see your full potential. You will never realize your full potential if you stay in that little bucket. You're worshipping the sun and the moon, and there is a God who created the sun and the moon. You're in a little bucket. I've got to move you to change your outlook on life, to see, make you see God for who He really is. And Abraham's life would be enlarged as he walked out of that environment and he started having time with God. And God would make covenant with Abraham and he would promise Abraham great things and Abraham would believe God and he would see the fulfillment of the the lost promises in his life. I think in our time that the environment can be very much so physical. It can be people that we hang out with sometimes that we need to limit our associations Because some people will always keep you in that little bucket. And unless you're willing to to change your associations, you may never realize your potential. And sometimes that environment is not so much even physical in our 21st century world. Sometimes it's virtual. It's sites that you look at. It shows that you watch. It's books that you read. Going back to the same voices over and over again, and you limit your life. And God says, I want you out of that environment. Quit clicking on that site. Quit listening to that voice. Go to the place where I will show you. I will make you great. It might be scary, God saying to Abraham. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your dad, your household, everything that you've ever known. Go to a place I will show you. We want the promise. But we are holding on our roots down to that little bucket. And God says, man, you've got to change it. If you've got to change this, you're going to have to go to different places than you're used to going. As a little kid that we used to sing in Sunday school. There is a great Why change since I have been born? Is that just a Kenyan thing, not American? (laughs) The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Okay. And the whole idea of the song is this. Is that when I started following Jesus, there's some things in my life that I just decided they're not for me because they limit me. And if I keep doing the same things over and over again, going to the same places over and over again, reading the same authors over and over again, my life is going to look the same over and over again. Fifty years, no change. Right, yeah. Yet, it has nothing to do with the seed. It has everything to do with the environment that we put ourselves in. I found if I want to stay out of debt, I don't go car shopping all the time. Because when I do go car shopping, I realize how horrible my car is. (laughs) You know I'm talking truth. You're always going to have a car payment. Well, I want to be out of debt. Well, you don't have to have a car payment. Thank you very much in Jesus' name. Well, don't go to the dealership. You'll get a smooth talker and they'll sell you more than you can afford. And you'll have another car payment. Can I get an amen, church people? Amen. You know I'm talking the truth. Quit going on that site. Stylist. oh, I just have a passion for design. <laughs> you empty your closet every 24-7 and never get out of debt. Maybe you should watch the Minimalist YouTube channel. <laughs> Go to a different... You might find out at the end of the month you have more money than you did two months ago. Sometimes it's just changing your environment. It can change everything and change our outlook. And you start realizing, I'm actually happy with little. I'm actually happy with what I have. I don't have to compare with no one bless me. He's got a purpose for my life. I, I have great dreams and, and I can't keep getting distracted with these little things if, if I'm going to achieve greatness. It's every day. I spend many years helping people just with their finances in my life. and, I, and, and, and One of the things I always talk about is it's not the big breaks when you have the, the, the big money that you're going to get stuff done. It's a $5 Starbucks coffee five days a week that you add up over 365 days a year and you find out, man, Starbucks been making a lot of money off of this guy. Change your environment, change your outlook. Change the way you think and it'll change your life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Romans 12, 2 says, I have it in New Living Translation, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform your life into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Amen. I love that. Second thing is that you got to, Not be, the second thing is that don't be afraid to be a barrier breaker. Can I say that again? Don't be afraid to be a barrier breaker. You're going to change. Because the scariest thing is to do what someone else hasn't done. Maybe the first person in your family to go to college, maybe the first person in your family to, to be out of debt. So sometimes there are things that have never been modeled for us and so we don't have a pattern to follow are some people that brought up well oh well i just looked at my dad's life and i copied everything and i'm good so and that praise god if that was your father praise god for good fathers right but that's not always the story for everyone sometimes some people learn what learn what they learn from their parents is what not to do And it can be scary because Abraham is being told to do something that no one in his family at this point, at least his immediate relatives, had ever done. He had no one to copy. He had no role models to follow. He had to believe God. And that's where fear and faith comes. It's okay if you've never done it before. Because with God, all things are possible god determines our destiny god has already designed your destiny has a plan that's greater you're supposed to exceed your parents You're supposed to do better, to go farther, to push forward because God is building. He's not starting over per se. He's building from generation to generation. And and when we have messed up families, which we all do, he invites us into his family. He adapts us into uh, into sonship and daughtership of his kingdom. Now we can call God Father, not just God. Abba Father. Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? Abba Father. We can call him Father. Not just God. I read about this study that some college students uh, were doing with some bugs. I forget what kind of bugs it was, and they they put the bugs in a lead for a long time. And those bugs will try to fly, jump out of the lead. They close the, uh, a container with a lead on it, and they'll try to jump off. At uh, 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 the first time, a lot, a lot, a lot. At other times, and all of a sudden, kind of slow down, slow down, and they're just crawling on the jar. Eventually, they opened up the lead, and they took the lead out, and the bugs were not jumping. They had been conditioned by the limitation that was put on top of them. And oftentimes, I found. That because of our experiences and the lead that's been put in our lives, sometimes we are conditioned to put limitations on our lives and what we can do, what we can achieve, and who we are even defines who we are. Because that lead has been there and it's not without trying. We tried to jump out of the lead and it hit us back several times and we thought, okay, This is going to be the outcome of my life. Those guys are cool, but mine is different. I want to speak to you, child of God. No, 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 no. That's what the devil wants us to think about. That's what the devil wants us to think about our lives. He wants us to think that we are defeated, we are incapable, we are not gifted enough, we are not talented enough, we are incapable. And God says, no, 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 no. Pastor Dustin mentioned it. This is those three words that he says, when I went out there on the cross, I declare that it's finished. No limitation can keep you from God's purpose in your life. If you would trust me, you start to see, think right. Have a can-do spirit, I can do it. Not just by myself. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Take the lead off. Reject fear. You start taking that one step and you get afraid. Reject it. Reject it. Turn it back. Oh, no one's ever done. The ones that I saw who tried, they failed. The only experience I have with this situation is failure. It's a guy called Abraham Lincoln who failed way too many times, but we're still talking about him. If he had given up when he failed the first time, and the second time, and the third time, there wouldn't be the great Abe Lincoln that we admonish. In 2019, we still talk about him. Because he hit that lead too many times. Because I could do this. Because eventually you will get a good break. You will get a good break. Don't miss your hour of visitation like the bags that were in that container that eventually got a break but they had been conditioned by their environment could not go anymore god says i want to allow god to transform your life and change you it says that we are to be like the men of Issachar, 1 verses who understood the seasons and the times. As you're following the Lord and, you're being trans- and your mind is transformed, your renewed mind and you know what he's doing, you will understand that God is a God of seasons. He reminds us of seasons in the physical realm. I mean, there is no escaping seasons in the physical realm. You know that it's a cold time. But we live with anticipation that things are going to change and just when it's too cold we start getting a break right and in august we'll be complaining about how humid and horrible i mean i can take a knife and cut the end because it's so mug and we get a break he reminds us on the physical that he does there's a pattern of life and that things have a season and you will know that even when you are going through something tough, that that's not the end of it because God moves us through seasons. There are seasons of drought. There are seasons of showers. There are seasons of harvest. Uh, the Ecclesiastes Solomon writes this in Ecclesiastes 3, that there is a season for everything. A time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to weep, a time to, to rejoice. He says, "There's a season for everything. But it goes on to verse 11 in just chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. He says, but God makes all things beautiful in his time. Yes. You will know that God has got your life in his hands. That you're going through this season and they mean something. And so, man, I might be on a dry season, but I still trust God there's sometimes you don't feel that faith you don't feel the butterflies you don't feel like oh my goodness it just feels so awesome sometimes you won't feel it but it's not feelings it's his promise it's what he's saying that matters so in those times when you're not feeling it where you cannot master the strength out of the inner inside of you because those are times like okay I will trust the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not upon my own understanding because I can't see it right now. But I know in all my ways I will acknowledge him and he will direct my path. He says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe oh right now i don't even know where to begin but i know i'm speaking life into my mind that the peace of god that passes all human understanding will guide my heart oh right now i have no reason to rejoice but the bible says rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice so i'm choosing joy i'm choosing peace i'm choosing what the bible says in spite of how i feel He is a good God, and you'll understand this season. Last but not least, is thank you, Sam. But last but not least, I'm going to say, is you have to recognize your worth. Recognize who you are. Now, let me tell you something about Abraham. Abraham had an awesome heritage. Abraham was ten generations. He was the direct descendant of Noah. Ten generations from Noah. A direct descendant. And Noah was blessed by God. And had a covenant and a promise by God. For God. And and, and Abraham lived for 58 years of his life. He lived knowing who Noah was. I mean he... He knew that all these people, all this weird religion that his people were doing, is not all that there is to life, that there is a true God. He had first hand information from his grandpa ten times over there, Noah, that there is a God. In spite of all the confusion that was going on in the world, all the the people that were missing the mark, in spite of all that, I don't just don't like my paper. I, you know what it is? I lost my iPad recently. I think I placed it somewhere at the church. I haven't found it for five weeks. So this is what you have to live with, guys, for a while. I don't even know. If you find that black iPad that you see sitting around, it just it's, it's probably mine. I haven't seen it for five weeks now. <laughs> Um, I think I, sometimes i like, Bruce helps me out. He finds it like a, I'm holding my iPad and I go out. I was like, I see so, man, Charles, so good to see you. you know, me, like, me, People always come fast before things. So I'll put my iPad down. I, I just, I have no idea whatever happened to it. You're welcome. I know. He knew all that there was a true God. And that even though his immediate family was kind of lost and confused and they were worshiping some weird things here, he had something in his DNA that knew that there is a God. And we are not to worship all this garbage and all this weirdness. There's something inside of him that knew he had a connection with Noah. Noah had a connection with Methuselah. Methuselah is a guy that lived the longest of ever guy. Methuselah lived the same time as uh, as Adam lived. He was born before Adam died, and knew Adam for at least a couple hundred years. So Abraham had a connection, first hand, second hand, that he could actually go back to the creation of man. This guy had a heritage. Now I need my notes. He had a heritage. And I believe, and I, thank you Sam. That's what brothers are for. Man, thank you. (laughs) He had a heritage that was deep. And my suspicion is, now the Bible doesn't say this. Because it doesn't give us a lot of details about Abraham's life when he was a kid. But my suspicion is that Abraham when he discovered that, and as, as he, I, 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 my suspicion is that he, he had some inquiry nature and he learned a lot of things from Noah. My suspicion is that God saw that in Abraham's life and says, I'm setting you apart. You might be in the middle of mad, madness and chaos right now, but your heart towards me, I like that. And let me show you how I'm going to bless your life. Because the Bible says that men look at the outward appearance, but God judges the intentions of the heart. You might be surrounded with madness and craziness, and men, nothing straight. But your heart, if it's conditioned towards pursuing God and seeking God, he sees that. He sees that. And says, Let me show you, Abraham. I got some awesome things planned for your life. You trust me with your life. You start following me. And, and this is what your, your life is going to look like. And, and I'm going to give you just a few verses to write down. You can look it up later. The blessing of Abraham breaks down this way Abraham's seed. So there was a blessing on his family, his descendants, okay? Uh, that Genesis 17. 2 through 7. In the New Testament, Galatians 3, 8, and 16 kind of talks about that. Abraham's possessions, his land, what he's going to own. Genesis 17, verse 8. Another one, um, uh, his chosen nation. In other words, this is his identity. That he's not going to be lost. He's going to be grounded. He's going to know who he is. Uh, Genesis 17 verse 4. And then, the, and then the last one here, it was uh, the, uh, the blessing of the uh, divine blessing and protection. Genesis 12 verse 3. And, 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 and the reason I'm giving you those verses because you and I in the New Testament right now, we are told that we are partakers and benefactors of the blessing of Abraham. We can claim those things that God says about Abraham in the covenant because we are in Christ. It's so. You realize when you start seeing those things and you start thinking of yourself that way, it would change the trajectory of your life. It would change your perception of what you can and cannot do. Because sometimes we let people, circumstances, outside voices dictate or at least convince us to believe who we are not. And we start looking down on ourselves and God says, I've got a purpose for you. I'm going to make you a world changer. My blessing for you is not just for now. My blessing for your life will outlive you from generation to generation to generation if you would just believe me. You realize every person you meet in the world already has a definition of what they think about you? Bruce, help me out. Come here, about This a guy. The guy that golfs in January. He showed me a picture that he's already been out golfing. <laughs> I don't know. Had to. <laughs> but when you meet a person for the first time, without even knowing, without bad intention, without anything, we project, we formulate in our minds what we think about them. We put them in the box. <laughs> they do it, and we do it. We already think we know a guy, just by the first, first impression or the first encounter. And so what ends up happening, thanks a lot, Bruce, I just want to pick on you a little bit. You don't golf without your friends, man, that's bad. But then what would what, what that happen, the danger that that does is sometimes, so now we walk our whole life, how we act, how we speak, The things that we buy, we wanna impress that guy so that they can change the way they look at us and somehow it makes us feel important or accepted. So people start framing their lives. Some is, man, how much money am I gonna make? Because the more I make, they're gonna respect me. So you feel good about yourself because of how much you are able to make. But what happens if you lost it all? Then you start looking bad. Start feeling bad about yourself. If it's about, so you can't really tie your identity under how you see, by by the material things, not that there's anything wrong with it. You realize that Abraham was being promised blessings even materially. But the problem is, how do we see ourselves? Do we live our life to impress that person? And do we also allow ourselves to be conformed to that box that they already put us in? Sometimes we accept it, unfortunately. They put you in a certain box. That guy that grew up in small town Nebraska, farm farm guy, right? And they think of you a certain way. I promise, you watch a Hollywood movie about Nebraska. There's always a burn and a lot of fields. <laughs> yeah, I lived in two places that get portrayed that way. In Nebraska, and in Africa. Watch a movie about Africa? There's gonna be a slum, and a kid dying. Yep. <laughs> I even told a guy that I used to walk with, he's like, yeah, I grew up where they filmed Lion King. He's like, really? It's a cartoon, by the way, if you haven't caught on to that. But it's tr- and sometimes we take that definition and we accept it. We don't say it a but we accept it. And God says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Only God defines who you and I are you're unique born at this time you live in this hour not by chance not by accident he designed for you to be born at this time and he's placed you to walk the planet right now with a purpose and a seed of greatness in your life and no one defines our god does. so seeing yourself that way there is nothing that would be unachievable you will break the ceilings that no one else in your family ever did Amen. you can reverse what are even your own mistakes Your own failures, they can be reversed when you start seeing yourself the way God sees you.